0: When you were a kid, did you ever have, did you ever want a magic set? You saw it in, a, in the mall or advertised on TV. The great thing when you're a kid about a magic set is it allows you to wow your friends and, and to trick your friends. But I think w- when you're really young and you, you see magic tricks, at least for me, what went through my head was, so this is how you get stuff that you want. If you have that wand, and if you have that hat, and you know the magic word, right? if you know the magic word, then poof, you can get whatever you want, and this is incredibly attractive to a small kid. Who am I kidding? This is incredibly attractive to all of us. right? If we had that wand and the word, and we could just make things appear, how awesome would that be? Or the whole genie in a bottle idea. Rub the lamp, you get three wishes. Ask for whatever you want, except for more wishes. You can't ask for that. That's off limits. But you can ask for anything else that you want. Have you ever played that game? What well, What would you ask for? What are the three things you would ask for? Because that would be really, really cool, just to get whatever you wanted. And if it's not getting what you want, we have other ways of trying to manipulate circumstances, um, we we call them uh, lucky charms right not the cereal like the lucky the lucky things like rabbit's foot and i have no idea who came up with this cuz that's it, when you think about it that's kind of disgusting you chop off a body part of an animal carry it around and good things happen to you <laughs> not nearly as disgusting uh four leaf clover right so we got Body parts and weeds, and they will make you have a great day. You'll get stuff. You'll be lucky. Horseshoes. Who comes up with this stuff? Penny on heads. You find a penny on heads, pick it up. You'll have good luck. We have all of this folklore, and just a little bit of our brain kind of believes some of it, right? If you got a favorite team, and you wear a certain jersey, and they win, what do you do the next time? You wear that jersey, right? Because you don't want to break the streak. You don't want to break the lucky streak. We, we like this idea that by holding something, having something, wearing something, saying something, then I can increase the odds of me getting what I want. And let's not pretend that we don't have religious ways of doing that. When I was a kid, uh, it was televangelist asking for money. So that they could send you a prayer cloth, right? And somehow they put magic in that prayer cloth. And when it got to your house, whatever you prayed for, you were gonna get. Or water from the Jordan River, like this is magic water. Give me a hundred bucks, I'll give you the magic, and then they'll come to your house, and then God will have to do what you say because you got the magic water. There's like all of these manipulative, Hey, ways to get money at the end of the day, but religious people, many, by the thousands, perhaps millions, buy into this. Well, I can kind of manipulate God a little bit. Here, the great thing about living in the 2015 is we no longer have to do any of that. All we have to do is share something on Facebook. And we get the magic now. Just by a simple post. Matter of fact, I brought one. Here's an example. This is straight from some of your Facebook pages. Share this, and God will bless you tonight. Like, you don't even have to wait for the mail to come. It's not two weeks. Tonight. And there are those that share this, and something good will come to you in 11 minutes. Share this, and in 15 minutes, an angel will come to your house. It's like all of this, if I just do this, then magic happens. And this is what we're all hoping for, aren't we? This next one, that Oprah shows up and just gives everybody blessings. Like, you get a blessing, and you get, everybody gets a blessing. Which, if that's the case, if sharing on Facebook gets good things, that kind of puts Jesus in a bit of an awkward position, doesn't it? We, we don't get many pictures from heaven, but apparently somebody got this one straight from heaven. It's Jesus... <laughs> With his MacBook, trying to find, okay, who shared which one, and so who do I have to give something to? This is my favorite Jesus meme right here. (laughs) Stop posting memes that say, share this, and you'll be blessed. God is not your fairy godmother, and that is not how it works. (laughs) That's not how it works. That's not the way God works. That's not the way... Blessings work. So what does it mean? When we say blessed, blessing, when we use that terminology, what does it mean? That's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. What does this idea of blessed even look like? Now, honestly, a couple of weeks ago when we decided to do this series, I thought this was going to be fairly straightforward. And then I started studying this word and looking into the Bible. And this is kind of a tricky topic. Tricky on the one hand because the Bible uses multiple words that we translate as blessed. We use the one English word, the Bible uses multiple words. Like, For example, one of the words just means to praise. Uh, It's actually the word we get eulogy from. Right? When you eulogize someone, you say good things about them, you praise them, you adore them, you, you, you build them up. That's one of the words that we translate as "bless." As a matter of fact, the song we just sang, Bless the Lord, when the Bible speaks of us blessing the Lord, that's the word that it uses. This idea of, okay, we're praising Him, we're adoring Him. When the Bible talks about us blessing one another, human to human, this is the idea. We want to encourage each other, we want to lift each other up, and maybe that's in our words, maybe that's in our actions, but we want to bless somebody else, meaning we want to encourage them, we we want to build them up. Um, The Bible speaks of being blessed with many kids, right? It speaks of being blessed with harvest, or being blessed with a lot of these various So so there's like all of this usage of the word. Here's what I want to suggest today as we as we launch this series and, and then we'll see if I can convince you by the end. The benefits that we may receive are not what the Bible is referring to when it speaks of the blessing. The benefits are not the blessing. The benefits are sometimes the result of the blessing, but the blessing is something that precedes the benefit. Sometimes benefits go along with the blessing. Sometimes we get benefits out of the blessing. But I want to try to convince you that blessing itself is not stu- its not a Mercedes. It's not a five-bedroom, four-and-a-half bath. It's not a vacation home. That's not blessing. And when we use the word in that way, we end up in some awkward positions, some awkward places. There are implications. I overthink things too much. I promise you that I agree with you on that. But there are implications when we use blessed in that way. For example, when we believe the benefits are the blood, like stuff is God blessing me, then the logical conclusion of that is the more stuff you got, the more you've been blessed. The bigger house you have, the nicer car you have, the bigger bank account, the better job, the more vacation homes you have, that means you're blessed. Here's the problem. The Bible frequently warns about that kind of stuff. doesn't say it's sin. doesn't say it's wrong. It's just the Bible consistently says the more material possessions you are, the more you're likely to get into trouble. The more temptation you're going to have, the more you're going to start looking at the world and not God. If blessings equal stuff, then the more stuff you have, the more blessings you have, but that's not at all what the Bible says, and the reverse of that is true as well. If you have very little, then you must not be blessed. But when I read the Bible, God seems to always be on the side of the people who have very little. Like, He seems to always be on the side of the marginalized and the poor and the weak. He's always speaking up for them. Jesus, in His ministry in the New Testament... He's always siding with the people who are broken and are hurting and who are marginalized. And, are, and He's shunning the people, in many ways, who have the most earthly possessions. So we can't use blessed in that way. It makes me wonder, what does God think when we equate blessings with earthly things? When pastors equate blessings with earthly things? I feel the same way about uh, physical health. If we we say that the person who is cancer-free is blessed, what about the person who's not cancer-free? If we we claim that God's blessing was the disease went away, the treatment worked, what does the person who's still battling say? Disasters, like the one that hit South Carolina last week. Some of our friends were affected by it. Some homes were totally wiped out. Cars were lost. Water up over their heads, inside their homes. Other homes were not even damaged. Were those people blessed? And the people whose possessions were lost, were they not blessed? You see, we get into all kind of weird places When we equate blessings with good things or material things or healing. I I think, because blessed is such a weird word, I think we use the word a lot when we should use the word grateful. I'm grateful for this. But but I'm not going to use blessed because that implies this other is not not blessed. So what does it mean? I've got all of those questions. I start studying God's word, thinking it's going to clear it up. I get like a 100 more questions when I start looking at this word in the Bible because of all the different words and ways this particular term is used. I I, I finally get to a point where like the inner Justin Bieber in me comes out. I just want to say, like, what do you mean, God? Like, seriously, I, I don't know what you mean. So here's where I landed, me and Justin Bieber. Here's where we landed. couple of ideas material things do not always mean blessing and a lack of material things does not always mean a lack of blessing let's just get that let's just embrace that let's just start there and kind of wipe that whole western idea of god's blessings and good things let's just kind of wipe that out here at the beginning Having stuff, even having health, is not a sign necessarily of blessing. And a lack of that is not a sign of lack of blessing. Second idea. Blessing at its core is a relational concept. It's not about stuff. It's a relational idea. And I'm going to give you some evidence, some of you are skeptical, I'm I'm going to point to the Bible, I'm going to give you some evidence as we go through this, that blessing primarily is about relationship. And out of that relationship may come some stuff. As a matter of fact, here's the definition, this is mine, I made this up, it's not on Wikipedia, it's not on dictionary.com, this is mine, but just in how I've been reading about this, this is where I am on the word blessing, I would define it this way. It is the deeply joyful, fully satisfied state of being in right relationship with God that may result in other benefits. The deeply joyful, fully satisfied place when I'm right with God. My growing, thriving, deeply joyful, fully satisfied relationship with God may bring some other benefits into my life. And if so, that's great. But those things aren't the blessing. The blessing is that I get to be in a growing, fulfilling, deeply satisfying relationship with the Creator of the universe. Let me give you some examples. The first time we find this word in the Bible, it's right in the beginning Genesis chapter 1. There's two times that blessing is mentioned. In Genesis chapter 2, there's a third time. The first time we see God blessing something, he's blessing the the animals of the sea the whales and the sharks and the the crab and and the fish and and the shrimp. Like, this is a really good blessing because we're going to take them out and fry them, and that's like a really good blessing. God blesses the animals of the sea. Second time, God blesses humans, Adam and Eve. Third time, this is Genesis 2 now, third time, God blesses a day of the week. God said, this is a good day right here. It was Saturday, and we all say amen. Saturday's a good day. God blesses uh, fish in the sea. God blesses humans. God blesses Saturday, days of the week. It's like Genesis 1 and 2, God is Oprah. Like God's blessing, you get a blessing, that gets a blessing. Everything's going to get a blessing in Genesis 1 and 2, why? Because everything's in right relationship with the Creator in Genesis 1 and 2. Like the relationship's not broken. Everything's working the way it's supposed to work in Genesis 1 and 2. So sure, sharks can get blessings and humans can get blessings and days of the week can get blessings. Because everything is pointing back to their Creator. Everything is in perfect relationship with the Father. Genesis 3, guess what word's not there? Blessed. Why? Because Genesis 3, we break our relationship with the Father. We sin in Genesis 3. And nothing and no one and not even days of the week get blessed in Genesis 3. And then following Genesis 3, we see God giving the blessing again and again as the relationship gets restored. People get blessed again. Things get blessed again. The blessing returns when the relationship is recovered because the relationship is the blessing. The fact that humans can be rightly related with their Creator—that's the blessing. That's what we. Li- that's the goodness that we live in. The deep joy, fully satisfied of knowing we're in relationship with God. Another example. Some of you, this will be familiar. Some of you won't. In the Old Testament, there was this concept called the blessing. And it was when the father, at a certain point, turned to one of his kids and pronounced this blessing on them. Which kid got the blessing? It was always the firstborn son. That's the way it was drawn up. Right? That was the rule. Firstborn son gets the blessing. Why? Because he's in the right relationship to the father. May not be the smartest. May not be the most talented. May not have the brightest future. But he's in the right relationship with dad. And so, in the Old Testament, dad gives the blessing to the one that's in the right relationship with him. The most famous example of this blessing and it going wrong was Isaac's the father. He has twin sons named Jacob and Esau. At this point of of Isaac the father giving the blessing to his firstborn, which was Esau... The younger twin, Jacob, tricks his dad. His dad can't see, he's old, uh, can't hear real well, He's, he's, he's about to die. And Jacob pretends to be the firstborn, and he is given the blessing in place of the one that should have been in the right relationship. Years later, there's this moment where Jacob and Esau are trying to mend fences, and Jacob's not sure how this is going to go. And so he tries to give Esau back the cattle, the land, the servants. He's like, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of gifts. And Esau looks at it all and, and he says, I, I've got plenty of cattle and, and people. I, I, don't need, I don't need your material gifts. And looking at this story through this idea of the blessing, maybe one of the things Esau was saying is, look, that's not what you took from me. Like it wasn't cows and sheep and, and servants and lamb. That, that wasn't the, the issue was you took my place with our Father. It was the relationship you took from me. And there was healing and restoration. It's a beautiful thing as they come back together. But stuff couldn't make up for what Esau had lost in relationship. Which is why I think blessing is primarily about my being deeply satisfied and joyful, fulfilled in my growing relationship with the Father. Another example, in Numbers chapter 6. There are prayers, the Bible calls them benedictions, blessings, that the priest would speak over the people. And God gives a specific one to Moses. God says, Moses, I want you to tell Aaron, who was over all the priests, When he goes to pronounce blessing, this is what I want him to say. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, and we would assume this is how God blesses us because this is how he's telling the priest to bless the people. Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you're to bless the Israelites. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. The primary blessing that God wanted spoken over Israel was a relational blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. In other words, God, God's going to be with you, beside you, over you, around you, protecting you. God's going to go with you. He's going to keep you. He's going to be there, the Lord make his face shine on you. This was a phrase that meant to take pleasure in someone. We, we say sometimes, boy, their face just really lit up when, what do we mean? We mean they were happy. Like their whole countenance, they saw that person, they just lit up. That's, that's the idea. The blessing was that your relationship with God is so good. It's growing. You're so satisfied in in God that God takes this pleasure in you and and, and that he's gracious. I mean, grace is a relational term. I'm going to give this to you because I know you. Next phrase. The Lord turned his face toward you, which is the opposite of turning his face away relationally, that God would see you. He would look. He would come towards you, not move away from you. The blessing is you're related to God in this way. That God is coming after you. God is taking pleasure in you. And then God adds this little footnote, this little commentary in verse 27. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So they will put my name on the Israelites. What does it mean when you put your name on something? It's yours. It belongs to you. You're in relationship with that, right? That's mine. It's not yours. It doesn't go with you. That goes with me. My name's on it. You send kids to school, you put name on everything, don't you? Name on their lunchbox, their book bag, uh, their pencil box, the tags in their shirts, their hoodies, their underwear. Like you just put name every. I don't want you to lose. I don't know how you'd lose your underwear, but we're going to put your name in here because we want people to know that goes with you. That's yours. That's what God's saying. I'm going to put my name on you because you're mine. We're in relationship. You belong to me, you belong with me. This is the blessing that God pronounces. And and here's the thing, if we aren't deeply joyful and fully satisfied in our relationship with God, if having His name on us isn't enough, there aren't enough things in the world to fill up our emptiness. There's, There's just not. You can try to plug in as many cars and houses and vacation homes and recognition And and fame as you want, I'm telling you, the human soul is a bottomless pit when it comes to material things. You will never fill up your soul with that. And if your relationship with God isn't enough, if you aren't satisfied, deeply joyful, deeply fulfilled in that, all the material possessions in the world can't help you. So, what do we do? What do we do with that? Like, Where do we go with that tomorrow? Two ideas. One, I want to live in such a way that I do not interrupt God's blessing of relationship with me. I don't want to get in the way of it. The Bible is filled. When it starts talking about blessing, this is the main direction I think it goes. It. Encourages us, commands us to keep our life in a position where the relationship is growing and thriving and open. Look, I, I can't sever my relationship with God once I've come to faith, but I can live in such a way that it's not satisfying me anymore because I'm doing my own thing. I can live in such a way where I'm limiting the growth and the and, and the ability to thrive in my relationship to God because. I'm moving away from him. Just a couple examples. These are all in the Psalms. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. I mean, you want this? Trust him. Act in faith. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. There's another example. Hey, you want want me to take pleasure in you? You want our relationship really to go? You care about what I care about, which is the weak. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed is the one you discipline blessed are those who act justly blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart how do i keep my relationship with god in the right place the bible's full of ways to do that not to earn my salvation not to try to get to heaven but to experience the greatest blessing of relationship possible both old and new testament even the teachings of jesus say look Live this way. Live this quality of life so that you will experience this relationship with your Father. And when I fail, and I will fail, and you will too. Psalm 32, one: blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. I mean, I can come right back to that growing relationship. I can step right back in because God will honor my confession and will forgive my sin. So I want to live in such a way that my life stays open to this blessing of relationship. Here's the second thing. My circumstances are not an accurate reflection of my blessings. I've got to teach myself that. What is happening around me is not necessarily a direct correlation between God's blessings in my life. My circumstances do not define whether or not I'm getting blessed, whether or not I can be blessed. Whenever I want to learn more about a word, one of the questions I ask when it comes to the Bible is, how did Jesus use this word? Like Jesus probably knows a lot more than I do. Like He's probably closer to God than I am. He probably used this word in the right way. I may not always use it in the right way. I'm pretty sure Jesus always used it in the right way. When you study how Jesus used the word blessed, it's really interesting. The passage that he uses it the most often is right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Beatitudes. Nine times in nine verses he says that word, blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Every verse starts with that word. Blessed, 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 blessed. This is how Jesus uses that word. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are the healthy and blessed are the rich or blessed are the BMW drivers. Blessed are the... No. Blessed deeply joyful, fully satisfied in their relationship with God. is a person that's poor in spirit. That means that's the person who realized they don't have enough resources on their own to be satisfied apart from God. They don't have emotional, spiritual resources to put themselves together apart from God. That person, because they're not depending on themselves, they're leaning on God and their relationship with God's growing. It's thriving. Blessed are the meek. In other words, you... You can't be arrogant and your relationship with God be growing. You, be, you, you, you experience this deeply joyful, fully satisfied relationship with God if you're leaning on you, if you're proud of you. He even says at the end, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. You're blessed when you get insulted and persecuted because of me, I've never seen a televangelist sell that prayer cloth. I right? Send me money. I'm going to send you this prayer cloth. It's going to get you a lot of persecution. Nobody's buying that bottle of water. But Jesus said, your relationship with me is going to grow exponentially. When people attack you because of me, when people persecute you because of me, the New Testament writers expand on this. James chapter 1. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Not He didn't say, blessed is the one who never goes through trials. Blessed is the one who never has a problem in their life. He says, blessed, happy, joyful, deeply satisfied in God is that person who's walking through difficulties. And their, their relationship with God is just growing because of it. Peter, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed even if you're suffering it doesn't mean you're not getting blessed James again chapter 5 as you know we count as blessed those who have persevered and then he gives an example of somebody who did you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about I love that he uses finally right James says, that dude, Job, man, he went through some stuff, man. It was like a long time. It was like piling on and deeper, and you thought it was never going to. And finally, finally you realize, he comes out on the other end, and he realizes, like, I know God better than I've ever known God before now. Like, I, I trust God. God, I'm in your corner. I trust you more. And James, hundreds of years later, is looking back at that story and said, man, Job got blessed in the middle of all of that he came out on the other side, and he loved God more, and he trusted God more, and his relationship with God was enough in his life. Here's the reality. If our goal is to get things, we're not going to get God. I mean, if foremost in our mind is getting stuff, we're not going to get God. If our goal, if the blessing we want is to know God is to get God, then we'll get Him. And whatever things we get will be enough. I mean, that'll be enough as long as our relationship with God is growing. The psalmist in Psalm 87 uses this great phrase. He says, all my fountains are in you, God. Like, everything I need in you. Whatever stuff I got, that, that's fine. But I'm not depending on that. I'm not counting that as my blessing. Everything I need in you. That's my blessing. And I have this thriving, ongoing relationship with you. I, I, love the, um, I love the graphic that we're using for uh, this series. Uh, the, if you notice, the cardboard around the graphic is torn and frayed and ripped, and yet in the middle is the word blessed. I mean, that's what the Bible says. That's what James and Peter and Jesus all said is, look, your circumstances may be coming apart, and in the middle of that, you can be blessed. The edges may be fraying, things may be coming unglued in some areas, but right in the middle of that, you and I can be okay. As a matter of fact, you and I can be growing. Julie and I are, are like all of you as individuals, and um, and and those of you who are married. We twenty three years of marriage. We've been through some some tough circumstances, some ups and downs, and. And that's, that's true in our relationship, in our marriage, but I'm thinking more just about the circumstances we've faced as a couple, job changes and, and things about our career that stress us and and didn't work out the way we thought, and like all of these twists and turns, tragedies in our families. All of these moments, and I'm, I'm like a lot of, of guys especially, when there's stress in this area, it tends to follow me home. I mean, it tends to come home with me with impatience and, and a quickness to anger and and an and insensitivity. And, and Julie's the same way, and so we got this stuff. It's not really us. It's out there, and then it's starting to affect us. And on more than one occasion, she and I have pulled away from the kids, and we looked at each other and said, okay, all this stuff's going on, but you and I got to be okay. All of this stuff is weighing on us, and we can't change that right now, and we don't like that, and we wish things could be different. But at the end of the day, what's most important here is you and I got to be okay. We can't let that affect this. I, th- I think that's what God wants to say to us sometimes. It's like, I, I, I know the edges are torn a little bit right now. I know there's pressure on you. I know there's stress. I know circumstances are not what you want them to be, but in the middle of that, you and I can be okay. Matter of fact, you and I can be better than ever. Our relationship can grow right in the middle of this. And you do that enough with your spouse or or, or with God, and you develop kind of a story. And, and it's a story that doesn't get published. It's a story that nobody knows but you and your spouse. That's the way Julie and I are. There's some some things we've been through, and like it's only the two of, well, only the two of us know. It's kind of like developing inside jokes. And and some of them are funny, and some of them ain't funny at all. I'm telling you, they're not funny at all. But we both were there, and we both know what happened. And and so we'll be meeting with somebody, or, or I'll and they'll say something, and I'll look at her, and she'll look at me, and we don't have to say a word because we just know. Like five years ago, that thing, yeah, I know, I know what you're thinking, you know what I'm, we just have this kind of inside joke language, this, this story underneath. I think God loves inside jokes with his kids. I think God's in heaven as he's walking us through these trials and, and these difficulties, and as he's blessing us with the relationship, and then five years later when we go through that other thing, God just kind of looks at him and says, yeah, okay, you know, you remember the last time? Okay, you remember. You remember where we were last time? just kind of winks, and we wink back at him. All right. Nobody else knows God, but I know, and you know, and how that went. In the middle of whatever it is, whenever it comes, we can be blessed. Because blessing is not stuff. Blessing is not even help. Blessing is not things going our way or saying the magic words. Blessing is to be deeply joyful, fully satisfied in my relationship with God. And if anything else comes, that's great. But all of my fountains are in Him. And that's my blessing. We're going to pray, and it's going to be a little awkward we're just gonna sit a minute. I don't mean to weird you out. Nobody's gonna touch you or come to your, shake anything on you. It's not. It's, nobody's nobody's gonna bother you. We're just gonna sit, for like thirty seconds. It's not gonna be long. It's gonna seem long. It's not gonna be long. And can you and God just kind of say, hey, you know what? We gotta be okay. We gotta. We the, the edges are free. We gotta be okay. Can you receive blessing this morning? He's not going to slip a hundred dollar bill in your pocket. If he does, share it with me. All right, but that's probably not going to happen. But he's here. He's keeping you this morning. His His face is turned toward you this morning. And would you just accept that from him today as his blessing to you? That hey, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. You bow your heads, close your eyes. It's going to be quiet for just just a little bit. Don't worry about anybody else. It's just you and God. It's God blessing you with himself this morning. God, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for blessing us with you. Because you're what we need. And we don't always see it that way. Sometimes we think we need stuff. We need you. We need to be deeply joyful, fully satisfied in you. And when good things come, we're going to say thank you. We're going to praise you, and we're going to rejoice. And part of that rejoicing is going to be because I've learned to trust you more. So My relationship's expanded now. And all over this room, there are people that are living in great gratitude right now. You, you, you've provided great things for them. And and there are people living with frayed edges and torn places. And in the middle of that, you're riding blessed because you're going to keep them and you're going to be gracious to them and you're going to turn your face to them and your face is going to light up when you look at them because you're a God who blesses. In Jesus' name.